All right, we are back. We would like to do some science topics, but we may not have time today because uh, we've been promising to do a few obituaries for some time now, and it's just high time we did them, particularly in light of the fact that we have one more prominent obituary to add in the last week. That would be uh, Norman Mailer. I am sorry to note that uh, it took Norman Mailer's passing for me to actually go out and buy a copy of The Naked and the Dead. And we simply don't have time to go in to a talk about Norman Mailer today, except to note that when he did appear on this campus uh, back in the 1970s, this was in the wake of his producing a book about Marilyn Monroe, my friend Eric Schmidt managed to crash the reception uh, which was being held for Mailer for that book. And uh, my friend Eric went over to him and, and asked him what he thought of his most recent book. And with the startling frankness that I guess sometimes did characterize Norman Mailer, he looked at him and said, it's a piece of excrement. He did appear here locally uh, in February of, of this year. And I would refer you to the capradio.org slash insight website for uh, the interview that was conducted by Joyce Maynard with Mr. Mailer. We've been, we've been promising to talk about Joey Bishop and Robert Goulet for several weeks, so we have to do it. Joey Bishop was the son of a poor bicycle shop owner in Philadelphia where he was born Joseph Abraham Gottlieb. He was a natural mimic and dropped out of school to join a comedy trio called the Bishop Brothers, whose name he took as his own. He first made a name for himself playing the Jewish resorts of New York's Catskill Mountains before branching out to clubs nationwide. He was already earning a respectable $1,000 a week when Frank Sinatra made him his warm-up act at New York's Copacabana in the early 1950s. Bishop later recalled, My opening line stole that night. I said, I can't believe the size of this crowd, and I sure hope Frank's fans show up too. Joey Bishop's uh, favorite target was himself. He once said uh, about his grade school days, I flunked Sandpile. And when he appeared in the 1958 film version of Norman Mailer's The Naked and the Dead, Bishop quipped, I played both parts. Joey Bishop was the last surviving member of the legendary Rat Pack of uh, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Peter Lawford, and of course Frank Sinatra. In 1960, uh... The group was working in Vegas, uh, performing in the clubs at night, while during the daytime they filmed the caper movie Ocean's Eleven. The uh, name Rat Pack was evidently bestowed upon the group by Lauren Bacall, who was, was then Humphrey Bogart's wife. I noted when they all drug in one morning, she, she said, you look like a bunch of drowned rats. Bishop was one of the few people who could insult Frank Sinatra and get away with it. He would interrupt Sinatra on stage and say, That's enough singing, Frank. Why don't you tell, tell us some of the good things the Mafia's done? Anyway, if you want to check out a clip of his work, we would refer you to the uh, News From Me website of uh, our previous guest, Mark Evanier. On his uh, television show in the 1960s, he had a sidekick that you probably have seen on TV uh, since then. His name was Regis Philbin. And uh, speaking of TV of a bygone era, there was a wonderful program on KVIE on Monday night titled Jackie Gleason, Genius at Work. And I must say, I do feel sorry for people that are too young to remember the TV work of Jackie Gleason. I had almost, but not quite forgotten, how good he was. So if you get a chance to see that special, I recommend it. 
I mean, watching it certainly took me back to being a kid uh, in pajamas uh, and watching Jackie Gleason's antics on a Saturday night uh, with my parents and grandparents. I've often wished you could find stuff on television that, uh, you know, that, that grandparents and parents and, and grandchildren could all watch together. I think that's pretty few and far between. Ed Sullivan's TV show used to be uh, one, one venue for that. And, man, it was a fixture on the old Ed Sullivan show was Robert Goulet, who also passed away um, earlier this month. I had a chance to see uh, Mr. Goulet uh, perform in, uh, in South Pacific, which was in San Francisco a few years ago. Noted the Week magazine and its obituary, Goulet was a strikingly handsome singer with the rich baritone voice, also known for his blue bedroom eyes. Female fans routinely tossed him the keys to their hotel rooms after a performance. Even during his first Broadway audition when he was only 27, everybody applauded. A rarity. His agent recommended him to librettist Alan J. Lerner and composer Frederick Lowe for the role of Lancelot in their new musical, Camelot. After the audition, the, his agent informed the singer that he'd negotiated a contract for Goulet to be paid $750 a week. An overjoyed Goulet replied that he'd perform for nothing. Shut up, the agent snapped. His Broadway debut was a triumph, and his hit song from Camelot, If Ever I Would Leave You, became an instant classic. Later in his career, the aging idol became a camp icon, satirized as an old-school crooner on TV shows such as Saturday Night Live and The Simpsons. Goulet didn't mind a bit, noting if you can't laugh at yourself, you're a fool. Anyway, Joey Bishop, Robert Goulet, you know, like, like Jackie Gleason, the kind of guys we're not going to see the likes of, I think, uh, again, anytime soon. You know, actually, I should digress slightly on someone else uh, who didn't pass away recently but was commemorated um, on television on a special not so long ago. There was a TV special dedicated to Charles M. Schultz, the creator of Peanuts, that was on, uh, on, on PBS a few weeks back. I noted that uh, Schultz's son, Monty, wrote a letter to the uh, Sacramento Bee in the wake of, of the airing of that special. Said the younger Mr. Schultz, I saw the film Good Old Charles Schultz about a month ago and really wasn't much more thrilled about it than I was the book Schultz and Peanuts. Indeed, I was warned by those who'd seen it that if I didn't like the book, I wouldn't like the film. Well, I did like the film more than the book, but not by much. For me, the problem with the film is identical to that of the book. It serves up facts that aren't facts and creates a portrait of Dad by using selective clips and interviews that the casual viewer or reader cannot distinguish from the truth. That's what we found to be so frustrating. In the letter, he gave numerous examples of how they portrayed Charlie Schultz to be this sort of gloomy figure who sort of an absent dad and kids were running wild and I feel certain it was unfair a number of my uh, peers here at this university when I was an undergraduate uh, were from Santa Rosa and lived right up the hill from Charles M. Schultz. And by all accounts, he was well-liked by everybody in the neighborhood. In fact, once while visiting over there and driving past his house, uh, I observed Charles Schultz coming out and getting into his car. And no, I, I did not stop and try and strike up a conversation. Seemed like a regular guy just going about his business to me, and I didn't think he needed my intrusion. We would refer you to a fairly decent article about uh, Schultz by David Michaelis in Vanity Fair. It's in the October 07 issue. 
It focuses in on how influential the Peanuts characters were in American life, and they were. David Michaelis is the same person who wrote Schultz and Peanuts, a biography, but uh, in the article in Vanity Fair, he more or less focused in on, uh, on the strip. It has been noted that what made Peanuts a revolutionary comic strip was that its characters were capable of shocking cruelty and coldness. And there's no doubt that Peanuts was unlike anything that came before it. I was really sorry to note in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, the strip sort of focused in on Snoopy at the expense of the, uh, the kids, and in doing so, lost most of its edge. But, uh, but uh, on a happier note, uh, the Vanity Fair article pointed out that, that uh, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown is the most produced musical in the history of the American theater, with more than 40,000 productions and 240,000 performers to have played these Schultz characters. All right, a couple of science items related to our previous talk here with Matt Kaplan. The New York Times reported last month when researchers took a look at NASA's clean rooms in which uh, spacecraft are sterilized before they're sent off to other planets, they discovered uh, there was a diverse and hardy population of microorganisms where they weren't supposed to be. A microscopic analysis discovered a hundred species of super-strong bacteria that may have evolved in response to the sterilization efforts. In fact, 45 of the bugs were so exotic they'd never been seen before. Of course, that may be good news for the search for life on Mars, turning out that, you know, bugs are hardier than we may have ever known. This may be bad news for manned space exploration, however, because, uh, a recent study reported in National Geographic News notes that uh, after scientists sent a colony of salmonella bacteria up on the space shuttle and brought it back, the salmonella were uh, more virulent. Mice injected with the germs dropped dead much sooner than they would have if they had been injected with uh, more conventional earthbound bacteria of the same type. Something about the trip on, uh, on the space shuttle Atlantis toughened up the bugs, and uh, this study, of course, has major implications for the future of space travel. We know that uh, long space voyages suppress the immune system, so if bacteria get stronger and astronauts get weaker, uh, this just doesn't bode well. We'll uh, have to chat more about that with our good friends at the Planetary Society. We're out of time. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. We would like to thank our guests on today's program, Dr. Peter Dale Scott of UC Berkeley, as well as Matt Kaplan from Planetary Radio. And, of course, our old pal, Will Durst. All right, we'll see you next week, at which time we're going to bring you the host of the popular talk show forum from KQED, which is also heard on the Sirius Satellite Network. That would be Michael Krasny. We're great admirers of Mr. Krasny and are very much looking forward to that. We'll see you next week at the same time. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. Radio Parallax.